Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. In this interview, Lily Shockney, Professor of Surgery at Johns Hopkins University, will be discussing prevention and risk factors for breast cancer. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So what are some of the known risk factors for the development of breast cancer? So there are quite a few. Uh, one is if a girl begins menstruating under the age of 12, which is more and more common today. It's not unusual to see girls actually beginning at the age of 10, not going through menopause uh, until after age 55. We're also seeing an increase in that as well. Uh, alcohol consumption, smoking, which we know smoking causes many kinds of cancers, not just breast cancer, a sedentary lifestyle, so kind of a couch potato type of a person, a uh, high fat diet has also been linked to increasing risk of, of breast cancer as well. Family history, and some people think if they have any family history, like my great aunt had breast cancer in her 80s, that is really not a risk factor. We, we're talking about significant family history. So your mother was diagnosed in her 30s and died at age 40, and your mother's sister was diagnosed in her mid 40s. That's a significant family history. So we do pay attention to grandparents uh, on both sides of the family, uh, mother's side and father's side, and of course, parents and aunts and uncles on both sides and, and cousins, but we really, pay an awful lot of attention when it is a first degree relative. And when there are several of them, or we see them coming down in the familial chain on the same side of the family, whether that be your mother's side or your father's side, then we need to, to really take a, a serious look and say, hmm, uh, there does look like there's a familial link, therefore there may be a genetic link. There could be a gene mutation at, at, at work here. I will also say that 70% of women diagnosed today have no known risk factors other than the last risk factor, which is being female. So with 70% of individuals not having any risk factors, that tells us that there are some significant risk factors out there that we have not been able to identify yet. So uh, people should stay tuned and and keep themselves abreast of what's new happening in the land of science and research related to breast health and breast cancer. Uh, density of breast tissue is one of the newest risk factors. The challenge with density is that density on a mammogram looks white. Tumors are white. So we can't see the polar bear in the snowstorm and it makes it much more difficult. Density also is usually a sign of relatively uh, high estrogen levels in the bloodstream. So this is one of the reasons why it's not standard of care to be doing mammograms on women under the age of 40 because they've got a lot of estrogen in their bodies usually and their breast tissue is going to look very white on a mammogram. So mammography is not very helpful at all for screening purposes when it comes to women under the age of, of 40. But this has been added as a risk factor density, and it isn't how the breast feels physically, 
It's how it looks on a mammogram. And the radiologist, hopefully it's a breast imaging radiologist, someone who specializes in mammography, will actually state in the report the degree of density. They're supposed to measure that density, which is helpful then uh, also in determining to what degree is that density now a, officially a risk factor. Are there any ways to prevent or reduce your risk of getting breast cancer? Well, <clears throat> there are several. Um, ideally, however, we, we really do want to start these in childhood. So we want our children physically active and not sitting in the house playing with their thumbs, right, on some computer game because uh, they're not outside playing baseball or basketball or jogging or doing anything physical. They're only exercising their, their thumbs, uh, which also means that they're usually heavier weight than we would like them to see. Our bodies store estrogen in our body fat. So this is also one of the reasons why girls are menstruating under the age of 12. And as I said earlier, not unusual to see them start at age 10. You need a fair amount of estrogen in your body to jumpstart your ovaries. So if you've got some weight on you, and we do see young girls with extra poundage on them, they probably already started menstruating, which increases their, their risk. So physical activity, preferably starting that young, though it's never too late to start. The greatest benefit, though, is the earlier we begin, then the better uh, benefit we will reap. Uh, no alcohol, no smoking, including exposure to secondary smoke. And we should never underestimate its impact on our lungs and, and other organs. Low-fat diet. 30 grams of fat or less, very high in fruits and vegetables, preferably seven fruits and vegetables a day. Um, additionally, paying attention to our breasts. There's been some controversy as to whether or not breast self-exams are helpful or not. As a Johns Hopkins faculty member, we do believe that they are helpful. We know that over 40% of the time a woman who is under the age of 45 finds her own breast cancer by doing a breast self-exam. So why should we be discouraging that? That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to be saying, oh, no, don't do that. We'll wait until your, your lump can be seen on a mammogram without you touching it and feeling it when it is. It could, in fact, uh, be smaller. Um, we also want to encourage participation in clinical trials for individuals that may be at high risk based on having those risk factors, because that's going to inform us today and in the future for the next generations too, what other risk factors might there be. So clinical trials are not just tied to chemotherapy as most people think they are. Clinical trials are for prevention, early detection, genetics mutations, surgical interventions, chemotherapy, immunotherapy, radiation therapy, survivorship care, uh, imaging, uh, it goes on and on. So I, I'm an avid believer in clinical trials. I want others to feel as I do. I participate in them whenever possible. I'm a 29-year breast cancer survivor. I seek them out, not just at Johns Hopkins, but uh, other places too, so that 
perhaps I can provide something, whether it be a sampling of uh, blood drawn from me or an x-ray or whatever, to, uh, to further this, this kind of research. And when it comes to prevention, one method that does work, it's a dramatic method, is prophylactic mastectomies, so preventative mastectomies. And this is not done for women of general risk or have a slightly elevated risk. This is usually done, or certainly a serious discussion about it, when a patient has been diagnosed as having a breast cancer gene mutation. So she has a gene mutation, for example, BRCA1 and BRCA2 are the most common known ones, but there are others that if she carries that mutation, she has somewhere like for BRCA1, she's got as, as much as an 80% risk of getting breast cancer and a 40% risk of getting ovarian cancer. Well, if we can take that risk down to 1% for breast and 1% for ovarian by getting out her fallopian tubes and her ovaries, just as a side comment, most ovarian cancers begin in the fallopian tubes and then grow backwards into the ovaries, which is why you've got to get your fallopian tubes out, not just the ovaries for risk of ovarian cancer. And doing a total simple mastectomy, not removing lymph nodes other than one node known as the sentinel node, so that just in case there were to be found in retrospect breast cancer in that breast, when the pathologist receives that mastectomy specimen and carefully combs through it, if, and it does happen occasionally that, oh my gosh, the mammograms and the breast MRI we did before we did your surgery didn't show any signs of breast cancer, but pathology who has a microscope looks much closer and has the ability to do that. So when we do find some tiny little breast cancer in there, it's important that we have already sampled the guard node, also known as the sentinel node, so that if breast cancer were to travel from the breast to the lymphatic system, we remove that one node that is the node that if it were to travel, it's got to go to that node first. So total simple mastectomy, leaving the muscle alone. Uh, we can even leave the skin. We can leave the nipple and areola, uh, carving out the inside of the breast, and then filling it with something healthy, whether that be an implant or fatty tissue from elsewhere in your body. So the, that's a way to dramatically reduce uh, risk of getting breast cancer doing these preventative surgeries, prophylactic mastectomy uh, on both breasts bilaterally. And uh, in addition to that, uh, no matter if she carries BRCA gene mutation one or two, we also recommend getting those fallopian tubes and, and ovaries out. Ovarian cancer is much sneakier than breast cancer. By the time you have symptoms that are recognizable, it's usually already spread to other organs. And so uh, we don't have a good way for screening for it, which is why we do encourage a more aggressive method of reducing risk of ovarian cancer, which carries a high mortality rate. Are there any other types of cancers that increase a patient's risk of developing breast cancer? 
There are. So certainly ovarian cancer, that's a flag for us that she's also an increase for breast cancer. Um, also carried on the BRCA2 gene mutation is pancreatic cancer, melanoma, and prostate cancer in men at a younger than average age. So if we see a man with prostate cancer in his 40s or early 50s, we should be doing genetic testing of him because he may very well carry a BRCA2 gene mutation. When a man carries this mutation, as far as breast cancer, he's only got a six to 10% risk of getting breast cancer. So we usually don't do mastectomies on men in a preventative way. Um, however, we certainly do test him genetically if he does test positive. Then we wanna test other family members, his sons and daughters, his brothers and sisters and such, because girls are going to be at a much higher risk, uh, 40 to 60% risk of getting breast cancer and a 20 to 40% risk of getting ovarian cancer if they've got a BRCA2 gene mutation. And these other siblings and offspring are also at risk for the pancreatic cancer, the melanoma, um, unfortunately. So we want people to be getting screenings done for that and it being a high risk genetically profiled family program with geneticists that follow these families along for the rest of their lives. Thank you for listening to Oncology Data Advisor. Be sure to check back throughout Breast Cancer Awareness Month for more of this exclusive interview series, all found at oncdata.com. Mm -hmm.